And I hope you join us, and I hope you're a part of serving at the Big Find next Saturday. It is one of the greatest ways we get to show our love for this city, Chicago's greatest Easter egg hunt. Sorry, I was chewing a breath mint right before I came up, so let me just give me a second. <laughs> All right, that's done. Hey, my name is Jared Stevens. I'm one of the lead pastors here at Soul City. I'm glad that you're here today with us. We are concluding a six-week teaching series, longer than we normally typically do, uh, on the Bible and how we can look at the Bible differently and how we can engage the Bible in a more meaningful way so that you can actually know the God who gave it to you. And we've looked at the Bible through four main movements. And for some of you who've been around for this whole series, you're familiar with this, but if not, I want to kind of bring you up to speed because we believe there's four movements to the Bible and they can be attached to four small words. This is a little pop quiz, but it's the easiest pop quiz you've ever had because the answers are on the board. So the first word is, everyone, of. of. Now that's the first movement in the Bible, and it's this idea from the Garden of Eden that you are created in the image of God, that your uh, identity bears divinity, that your soul has a source, and it's rooted in God. Very important place for your story to start. And then it starts in Genesis 3, the next word, which is? Between. between. How sin comes between us and God. That's the story of the Bible. Sin enters into the story and separates us from God. And then what you see at any point in the Old Testament, you can put your finger at any point in the Old Testament, what you're going to find is a people at a distance from God and a God who keeps going between us and our sin. Then you get to the four gospel accounts, and that word is? God with us. So we have us of God, sin between us, God with us, and God changes the whole story by entering himself into the story through Jesus. Fully God, fully human, one of us walked among us and gave his life for us. Completely changed the story with that third movement with. And then the fourth movement in the Bible is? In. in. God in us, that God actually enters into your everyday life when you enter into a transformational relationship with him. At any point in the New Testament, you can kind of put your finger at any point there, and what you're going to find is descriptions of, examples of what life looks like when you get that God is in you. And that's what we're going to be talking about over these next couple moments. But before we do, I want to do just a little check-in, if we could. And I want you to think about this last week in your life. I want you to think about your last week. So go ahead and kind of play back the tapes, the mental tapes, the calendar of your brain. How was this last week for you? What kind of week was this last week for you? Maybe it was a great week for you, but maybe for you, you had a couple moments in it where you just felt like, I just, I don't know if I got what it takes to get it all done. Anyone have that kind of week at any point this week? I don't know if there's enough in me to handle all that's out there. And it's all kinds of different things. You ever felt that way before? Like, God, I just don't know if I got what it takes. I don't know if I have enough. I don't know if there's enough in me for all that's coming at me in life. I had, I had a couple moments this last week where I really felt that. Uh, okay, so specifically with my schedule, uh, it, the week started out great. Monday night, Jean and I uh, taught together. My wife, Jean and I, who's the other pastor of this church, we taught together at Soulmates, which is our premarital uh, ministry where we help prepare people for a marriage partnership with God for life. Awesome group of people, awesome mentor couples. It's one of the greatest things we got going here at this church. And I loved being out Monday night team teaching with Jeannie, but it was a night out. It wasn't a date night. I mean, that's like worst date night ever. Like, let's teach together. Like, that's not, 
That's not what we do. And so, so that was Monday night. It was awesome to be here, but it was a night out. And then on Wednesday night, I was back here for our creative team night. I don't know if you know this, but some of the most creative people in the city of Chicago are part of this church. I am blown away by the creative potential within this church. And we gathered together to worship and hear vision from God on Wednesday night. And I loved being here, but it was another night out. And we have kind of a one night a week policy between Gene and I for stuff like this. So I was already starting to tip over the scales. And then on Saturday, there was an opportunity to go see an old friend who was speaking here in Chicago, someone I really wanted to see, hadn't seen for a while, and I really wanted to go, but what it meant is I was out from 9.30 in the morning till 6.30 at night. My whole Saturday was gone, right? And that was just at this thing. So I'm kind of, my whole Saturday, that's my day with my kids, and boy, you know, we were, we were together as a family that day, gone. And I could kind of see the storm coming with my schedule. So earlier in the week, I was trying to like throw meetings overboard as quickly as I could to kind of get through this week. I even uh, called my counselor. I have a regular counseling appointment that I do with a Christian counselor here in the city of Chicago. And uh, I called them ahead of time and said, like, I got to cancel counseling this week, which I knew was right to do in the moment, but I also knew it was a setup because that's what we're going to talk about at my next counseling appointment. <laughs> that's why I canceled counseling. So I just set myself up for that one. Uh, and then if that wasn't enough of all just the regular schedule stuff, uh, our kids got sick this week. And so on Monday and Tuesday, one and then both of them were out of school. I did not plan on that. And I would appreciate in the future if they would check with me first before being sick. It would make my life a lot easier. And so on Monday, I was at home with Gigi, who was sick. And then on Tuesday, Jeannie was at home with both Elijah and Gigi. And we were trying to swap back and forth and sort of make it all happen with meetings that we had. Oh, it just was not working, right? And so on when, our Tuesday morning, I finally got to sit down on my laptop and I was like, okay, I got to get out, dig out my way out of some of these emails that had already kind of built up. And so I start going through my inbox and, you know, delete and delete and delete. And I'm just realizing I'm never going to get to the end of this thing. And I found myself an hour into trying to empty out and clear out and respond to everything in my inbox that I found myself praying for Jesus to return. Like I wanted him to come in that moment so I could just stop inbox hell, you know, save me, rescue me from this moment. Maybe you felt that way where you just felt like your inbox had control over your life. And uh, so on top of that, then there were several folks who were in town this week who wanted to see me and wanted to get together and I wanted to see them. But you know how it is like friends come into town and they got like that one window for you to see and they're like, ah, yeah, I'm available for 11 minutes on this obscure side of town and I need you to come to me. And I was like, oh yeah, I can't wait to see you. And so, you know, saw them, but that kind of messed with my whole schedule as well. You ever had a week like that where it just felt like, I don't think I got what it takes to get through this week. I don't think I have enough in me to handle all that's coming at me. For those of us who felt that way, and I think we've all felt that way, whether it was this week or some previous week, uh, th there's a, a reality, a belief about yourself that's connected to that assumption that you just don't have what it takes to get through the week. And it's based on an assumption that your life is a set of limited resources, that there's just only enough time or money or energy or space or whatever it is that you have to give to others. And it sort of makes sense. This is kind of how we go about our week. We just go, oh, I've only got so much to give. And what happens is life tends to come and take all of that and then some, doesn't it? And so you find yourself, even just on a normal given week, trying to, that woke up some of you who are already asleep, uh, trying to just get through the week of just, let's just talk about life stuff. Like you've like laundry and you have grocery shopping, unless of course you've been enlightened by God and use Instacart. And you've got, you know, just, you got to pay bills, all that kind of stuff. You've got, you know, all the sort of everyday stuff that goes in, you know, to keeping up with stuff around the house, cleaning the house, 
You've got enough going on. Just This is just to keep things going. This isn't getting ahead. This is just staying alive kind of stuff. You understand what I'm saying? But that's not all that there is, actually, because then there's work realities. You have work realities, too, right? So maybe you have a new project that's come up, and that's kind of taking more of your time, or it's that time of year where work is more intense for you. If you work in financial stuff, maybe you know a little bit about that. And, or, or, or maybe you, you come into a week where your boss is just in a mood. You ever had one of those kind of weeks? We don't have those at Soul City, but I, I just, I, I pray for the places that do. Um, and so then you got just your work stuff or your work changes or your job changes or now you have a new schedule and it kind of takes more of you than maybe you had planned. And then that's not really even all there is too because then there's family responsibilities. You have to take care of yourself. You have to, if you're married and then you got to look after your spouse, make sure that you're, you know, partnering with your spouse. And then you have kids and you got to make sure that, you know, that they get lunches every day, that they're bathed at least once uh, a week. And then, you know, you're helping them with their homework, but now they're at that point in their homework where they know how to do it more than you do. And you're way out of your league with their homework, right? And then you have just extended family, you know, responsibilities that you got to take care of. Maybe you're, maybe you have a parent that you're taking care of, or there's expectations because you have family that live in Chicago. And so they think that you got to see them every holiday and every opportunity, right? Uh, and then there's, you know, then there's uh, in-laws, you know, um, there's in-laws. It's just, you got that, okay? So you got that to deal with, right? So that takes a lot to deal with. And then there's your finances, right? You got to just kind of stay on top of your finances, make sure that you're making enough to make it through. Maybe you're trying to pay your way out of some debt, earn your way out of some debt. And so you're working hard, putting your pennies away, trying to do the best you can to have a balanced budget. But then that's not all because then you have your health that you have to worry about because then you got to take care of yourself, right? And everyone knows how much you love to do that. So you got to make sure that you're eating the right stuff and to get the right stuff to eat, you got to buy it at Whole Foods and pay a whole price for that. And so then you got to uh, do that. And then you got to try and work out. When are you going to possibly find time this week to work out? And then after you take care of yourself and your health, well, then you get, you know, down to God. And I mean, so you got maybe a little bit left there for God. And I think for many of us, this is how we go through our week. And for some of you, you're like, that's Monday for me. I'm already there at Monday. Forget the week, right? You know how this feels. You're dealing with a limited set of resources, and so you look at your life as uh, a scarcity shuffle, where you're just trying to make it all work, and you're trying to get through, and you never feel like you have enough, either for this week or for the big picture as you look down the road of your life. All of us have felt that way, but the question I want us to consider today as we move into our teaching time is this. What would change if you actually believed that God had already given you all that you need. We all know this, okay? We all know this dance. We all know this routine. But what would change if you actually believe that God had already given you all that you need for your life? All that you need not only to get through, but to thrive in this life with him. What would change if you actually believed God had already given you all that you need. And what if you began to live like that? So to get a picture of what that looks like and how that's even possible, I want you to grab a Bible, if you would, and I want you to turn to John chapter 14. So if you have a Bible with you, fantastic. We'll make sure to mark you off for extra credit. If not, you can grab a gray Bible in your seat back and turn to page 752. John 14 page 752, I want you to look at how it's even possible 
to live like you believe that God has already given you all that you need. John 14, page 752. Let me give you quick context to where we're at in the story. Also, let me just say there should be a note card in your seat back. If you want to write down notes, grab a pen. You can jot stuff down. Doodle if you want. We want to make sure that you have space to do that. Questions you may have for your small group if you're in one about what we're talking through. Let me give you context to John 14. Jesus is at the end of his public ministry. He's coming to the end of his public ministry. And these are the final days that he has with his disciples, his followers. We talked about them last week. If you were here last week or if you listened online, you know about these most unsuspecting suspects that Jesus chose to be his friends and his followers, that he would entrust the kingdom of God to them, right? And these are the final moments that he has with them. And I love that Jesus, having full faith in God, is putting faith in them. And these are the same folks who, like, just moments ago were arguing about who gets to sit in the front seat with Jesus, right? They're worried about their legacy, and Jesus is going, no, I'm about to do something way bigger than that. And so he's about to hand them, give them what they need for everything that was to come. Imagine if you were them, and Jesus tells you that he's going to die, he's going to be crucified on a cross. He was very clear about that, actually. He'd be raised by God from the dead. He'd already told them that that would happen, and that he would ascend into heaven, and that they would be on their own. Now, imagine if you are these first followers, still trying to figure it out, and Jesus says, so in other words, I'm going, I'm leaving it all to you, you're going to actually be a part of the birth of the future of the church and history will hinge on the choices and the lives that you live. Good luck with that. I'm out of here. Imagine how that must have felt for them. You think they ever wondered once if they had enough, that if they had in them what it would take for all that was about to come to them. So let's look at what Jesus said and what he promised them in John 14 verse 15. This is what Jesus says to them. He says, if you love me, then you'll keep my commands. This is what you do. If you're in a relationship with me, you walk in my way. And he's reminding them to do so. And he says, and this is what I'll do for you. I'll ask the Father and he will give you another advocate. Now, I love that word advocate because that means one who works for you. I will ask the Father and he will give you another because that's obviously Jesus is putting himself in that camp, an advocate, one who would do something for us that we could not do for ourselves, to die and pay the price for our sin. Jesus says, but that's not all. I'm going to ask the Father to give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever. He goes on to describe who this is, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him. But, Jesus says, you know him. For he lives with you and, this is very important, will be what? In you. First time this has ever happened in the Bible. First time this has happened in human history where God is about to pour out his spirit into all People. Now, there's people throughout the Bible who had kind of a special anointing from God, who had sort of the power and the presence of God with them. But what God's saying is, I'm about to pour out my spirit, my advocate, the one who works for you, for God's glory in your life. I'm about to pour that out for everyone. Anyone who's in a relationship with me has access to me in them. Verse 18, Jesus goes on with this encouragement. I won't leave you as orphans. I'm not going to abandon you. I won't forget you. I will come to you before long. The world won't see me anymore. He's talking about his ascension into heaven after the resurrection. The world won't see me anymore, but you will see me because I live, 
you also will live. And then he goes on to say these words. On that day, you will realize that I am what? In my Father, that I have actually been one with the Father. I am in his presence. I am one with him. And you are what? In me. You are in relationship with me. You are bound together with me through my death and resurrection. And I am in you. Big deal here. Like game-changing stuff here. Jesus is saying, just as the Father and I are one and I am in the Father and you are actually in relationship with me, if you're in relationship with me, guess what? I'm in you. I am in you. I'm not out there somewhere where you gotta hope your prayer makes it to. I am in you. All of me in you. See, this is the promise for anyone and everyone that God would not be limited anymore by the limbs and ligaments of his physical body. So that was a reality is that there was Jesus God with us, but his limitation was his physical person. That there was the contingency of proximity. You could be with Jesus if you happened to be with Jesus. But now what he's saying is, no, 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 God will be everywhere because God will be in anyone who's in relationship with him. No longer bound to one person, Jesus, now available to all people through Jesus. This is an incredible deal. This changes everything. The God of the universe who created the universe actually wants to take up residency in you and me. So what does that mean for you and for me? What does that mean for our everyday lives? If the God of the universe actually can live inside of you, inside of your everyday life, well, this is what it means. This is still you. This is still you, little mason jar you, okay? This is still you and your life with your perceived limitations and, you know, never quite having enough. This is still you, but this is actually God, and he is way more than you can even possibly comprehend. I don't know how this is going to fit in here, but through the power of magic, I will make it so. <laughs> this is God. Now, if you're listening at home on the podcast in a stroke of uh, brilliant teaching, I held up an exercise ball that was 10 times the size of the mason jar that we were previously dealing with. Now, back to your regularly scheduled message. This is a reality of God, and this isn't even big enough. It would take one the size of the universe. That the God who created it all says, <laughs> you're worried about whether you have a little bit here and a little bit there and a little bit there. I am more than you will ever, ever, ever need. I am greater than you can possibly conceive. And I will provide for all of your needs. You will always have enough because I am more than enough. What do you think? might change if you believed that the God of all, the Lord of all, had already given you all that you need. You know what would change is your perspective. And here's one of the first things you'd realize. That nothing, 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 nothing that comes at you is greater than Christ in you. 
Nothing that comes at you, nothing out there that comes at you is greater than Christ in here, in you. Nothing that you can face, that you can foresee, that you can plan for, that's already going on in your life, nothing that you have no idea about yet, nothing can actually come at you that is greater than Christ in you. There just simply isn't anything greater than the power of God in you. Think about it. See if you can come up with anything greater than God. Now, I know we tend to live that way, but that's just not true. There's nothing that can come at you that's greater than Christ in you. What does that mean? That means that there is no crazy week that can overpower the power of God in your life. There's no overwhelming week that is going to overpower the presence and reality of God in you if you're in relationship with him. It's not as though Jesus looks at your calendar and goes, whoa, I don't know what I can do with that. You're on your own. Nope, there's no crazy week you've ever had that's greater than the peace and presence of God with you in the midst of the crazy. That means that there is no demands at work. There's not any demands at work that can overpower the power of God in your life. No matter how hard, no matter how crazy, no matter how challenging it may get at work, there's not a day that you will have at work that is greater than God at work in you. Nothing you will face at work has more power than the power of God already in you when you are in relationship with Jesus. Now listen to me, there is no conflict in your life right now that is more powerful than the power and peace of God in you if you're in a relationship with God. No conflict with a friend, no drama that's been dragging on for way too long. And I know you've got all kinds of family history and you've all just adapted to your level of crazy, but there is no drama, no conflict, no bashing of heads, no breaking of hearts that's actually greater than the power, the restorative power of God at work in your life, that God is a God of peace. He is a peace working and a peace making God. And the power of God at work in you may actually bring peace to this broken relationship. If you believe that this drama has more power than God, then it's already won. There is nothing, no conflict that can come against you that is greater than Christ in you. Listen to me, there's no lack of resources in your life. There's no lack of finances. And I know you're looking at it and going, oh man, I am... I don't even know how I'm going to get ahead. I don't know how I'm going to make it happen. And you are so stressed because you are working so hard to pay off college loans. Listen to me. There is no college debt that's greater than the power of God in your life. Praise Jesus for that. I know it doesn't feel that way maybe for some of you, but that's actually reality. That there is no financial fear of a financial future that may come. You're freaked out about where the market's going to be. You're afraid if that person gets elected, it's all going to fall apart and you're moving to Canada. Listen to me. There is no no financial fear or reality right now that's greater than the wisdom of God at work in you, the power of God at work in you. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't have to take responsibility. If you got yourself into this mess, you're going to have to figure it out. But here's the good news. The power of God goes with you as you work it out. And there's wisdom greater than the mess you've made. There's nothing that's greater than the power of Christ in you. Listen to me now. 
There is no political candidate, no crazy political candidate. You know that one that you are just convinced is certifiably insane. And I'm not naming any names. I'm just saying we all have them. You, there is no candidate running for office right now that has more power than the power of God in you. Because when that crazy candidate actually becomes your president, what are you going to believe? Whoever they may be, whatever you may think, that they are more powerful than God at work in you? No. So listen to me. Here's the great news. You can stop freaking out. You don't have to live in fear of November. For God's sakes, we have an eternal perspective. There's no power on earth that has over overpowered God. And so you don't have to freak out. Isn't that good news? So let's stop lashing out. Because if you're a member of Christ's family, you're better than that. We're opting out of opinion around here. We have a better perspective than that. I got the power of God at work in me. I don't have time for these small little squabbles. I got my eyes on bigger things because his work in my life. Listen, there's no moment where you feel like a complete failure as a parent that is more powerful than Christ at work in you. Now, any parents in the room know what I'm talking about, where you get through a week and you're like, I don't even know if it was a, draw this week. I'm pretty sure it was a loss. I think we came out behind this week as a parent and you feel overwhelmed. You feel like you're certainly in the last, you know, to comfort yourself, you go on Facebook and then you're reminded that you're the worst parent ever and that everyone's a better parent than you and all that stuff stirs up and you just feel like a failure as a parent because you don't have it figured out and you don't have it all worked out. No fear of failure in you is greater than the power and reality of Christ in you. No matter what you may perceive or believe about yourself, it's just simply not greater than the power of your heavenly father, a perfect parent at work in you. There's no breakup that you will face that's more powerful. There's no breakdown that you've had that's more powerful than the work of God at work in your life. No fear of an uncertain future. No fear of an unwelcomed change. No diagnosis. No diagnosis. Greater than the power of God at work in your life. Not cancer. Not infertility. Not the fear of losing someone that you love. Nothing. Nothing. Not even death itself is greater than the power of God which is actually already in you. Nothing that comes at you is greater than Christ in you. Now, it doesn't mean that those things aren't challenging. It doesn't mean that we don't have our challenges. That's not at all what I'm saying. I'm just saying that those things don't win in the end. That they don't get the last word and they don't get the final vote. That the power of God in you is greater than any one of those things that may come at you. How does that work, you say? Why is that even possible? I'm so glad you asked. Turn to Romans chapter 8. I want you to look at the power of this and we're going to wrap up and look ahead at our week together. I want you to turn to Romans chapter 8. Page 786 in the Gray Bible. We're looking at the Apostle Paul who was not one of the original followers of Jesus. He came late to the game, and in fact, by the time he got to the game, he'd already tried to end the game. He tried to destroy the movement of the church, this outpouring of the Holy Spirit into everyday ordinary folks like you and me. He was arresting, he was persecuting, and even killing Christians. 
God gets a hold of his life, turns him upside down. Be encouraged. If you feel like you have run too far from God, there's no distance you can run where you can outrun his love. God takes a Christian killer and makes him the number one advocate for Christ, leading thousands and thousands and thousands of people to Christ and moving and expanding the church into the world at that time. And so this is what Paul writes, wrestling with this reality that is just as true for him as it is for you today. He says this, but if Christ is where? If Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death, that means even though we live in a world broken by sin, that death and sin and sickness are a reality, not directly connected to anything or choice that you per se have made, but because we are in a fallen and broken world that goes way back to Genesis chapter three, even though your body is subject to death because of this reality of sin, the spirit gives life because of righteousness, because of Christ's perfect righteousness and power made known through the cross and an empty tomb. He goes on to say this in verse 11. And if the spirit of him, now listen to this, if the same spirit that Jesus talked about in John 14, if the Holy Spirit, the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, which we're about to celebrate in two weeks at Easter, if that same spirit raised Jesus from the dead is living where? Is living in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Do you get this? It's the same power, the same power that raised Christ from the dead can be in you. That same resurrection power that literally we bank and build our Christian faith on, that Christ was crucified for our sins and raised by the power of God from the dead. Same power that raised Christ from the dead actually can live in you every day, you and me. Think about that for a second. I know you're thinking, well, yeah, I mean, maybe for like the super spiritual people, people who've been a Christian a long time or they've been around Soul City for a long time and they volunteer around here and they're in a small group. He, they get their power, but that's not me. That's not, I just, I don't think that's available to me. Really? I don't see anywhere in here where there's a qualifier or disclaimer. Same power can live in you when you enter into relationship with Jesus. He doesn't give you like resurrection light power. He doesn't look at you and go, well, I don't think you can handle it. I'm going to give you diet resurrection. <laughs> I'm going to put you on a low-sodium resurrection diet till you can kind of handle it. Same power. All of God in all of you, in anyone who enters into a relationship with Jesus. That's Christ in you. That's the hope of glory Paul would go on to write. That God would be in you and in me. And so you got to wonder what would change if you actually believed that God had already given you all that you need. He already did it. He gave you resurrection power. Do you think he might be able to resurrect your life? Resurrect your hopes and dreams? Resurrect relationships? Do you think he might be able to do that in you this week? What would it look like for you this week to lean into that power? Again, maybe for you it's at work. You know, you, 
you just go to work and at times you just feel so powerless at work. You walk in and you're like, oh man, I'm just kind of, this, I'm a victim to all this stuff. I'm a victim to this culture. I'm a victim to my boss. What would it look like for you this week to walk into work with resurrection power? Like, I mean, you walk in the door tomorrow morning, go resurrection power and walk in. That's an entrance. I'm just saying, see what happens when you do that. What would happen if you walked in and said, no, 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 there's nothing that's going to happen to me this week at work that's greater than God at work in me. I have resurrection power in my bones. Nothing can come against me that's greater than that. Maybe for you, maybe for you, it's this fear of an uncertain future or you're living in an unwelcome change and things have changed for you and it's not what you want, it's not what you planned not what you would have written out. How might you walk through it differently this week by leaning into that resurrection power that even though it may be uncertain, even though it may be unwelcome, you can walk with hope and confidence because you know your God walks with you and he will not forsake you. In fact, he is in you. There's not a step you take or a decision you make that he's not already with you. And he's already given you the power you need to persevere to walk through, to walk by faith and not by sight. Same power that raised Jesus from the dead can walk you through this season. And maybe for you it is a diagnosis, it's a, a health challenge that you're facing right now or, or a new reality to your life that you just never imagined or someone that you love and you're feeling so powerless. You just feel like you didn't have a choice in this. It's just happened. You don't know what to do and you're angry at God. You don't know what God's role is in this. What if you stopped and went, wait a second. Regardless of what may come because of my mortal body being affected and broken by the sin of this world, I can have hope because there is resurrection power in me. And regardless of what may come, I can have hope. I can have hope in the face of death itself because he's already defeated sin and death once and for all. Same power that did that's in me. It's in you. So what would change if you actually believed that this week? The question for each of us this week is simply this. Will you live, will you and I live like Christ lives in you? Will you actually live out your everyday life like Christ lives in you? in you. Will you actually go, wait a second, if I'm in relationship with God, that means he is already in me. So I want to live my life as though he's not out there or I got to try and get his attention. He's already in me and he's already given me all that I need for this week and beyond. And so how might I begin to live like that this week? Can you imagine, I mean, can you imagine what that week would be like? That's the invitation for you this week is to live as though Christ actually lives in you. And we're going to have a moment to be reminded of that reality made available to us through Jesus in just a second here. We're about to celebrate something we do every month here at Soul City Church called communion. You may be familiar with it. It's the body and the blood of Christ. It's a bread and a cup to remind us of this resurrection reality that his body was pierced for us, his blood poured out for us, and that we can actually have life through his death and his resurrection. And the, we use the word communion around here, but the ancient Greeks, when they were translating the, these new realities of Jesus and writing them down into the, what we have as the New Testament, used a word for this thing that we've come to call communion. They called it the Eucharist. And maybe you grew up in a, a faith tradition where you're familiar with that word, or at least it sounds familiar, Eucharist. It's one of those words you, like, you only use in church, you don't use anywhere else. 
The word Eucharist is how they would describe communion, which we're about to receive. And it comes from two Greek words, two root words. The word you means good. And the word charis for Eucharist, charis means gift. And that's really what this is. Jesus is God's good gift to you. All that you need and then some. More than enough for you. We're going to celebrate the good gift of his death and resurrection made available to any of us and to all of us who would say yes to him today. And I want you to particularly pay attention to this when you take these elements in a moment. You're going to hold on to them for a moment, but when we receive them, I just want you to pay attention to physically what's happening. You're putting them in you. What a great reminder. Jesus knows us so well and how much we need these moments like this. And so we're going to receive Christ into our everyday lives. And we're going to do that through the cup and through the bread. So we're going to ask our friends and volunteers who are coming to pass those out. We'll grab those. It's gluten-free bread, so everyone gets to play along. Grab the bread and grab the cup and just hold on to it, if you would, for a moment. I'll come back and lead us through a time of response and reflection.